Hello and welcome to Greetings from Brussels, episode 21 of our Global Tech Swamp podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Taylor, and today I'm joined by Anna and Niels from our EU team. Hi, Anna. Hello. Hi, Niels. Hey, everyone. We recognize the gap in representation in the tech community. And today on International Women's Day, we want to talk about how we change that. Throughout the year, we are highlighting the problem solvers, telling the stories that don't get um, that don't get told, and elevating those who are driving change in their field. But particularly today, we're keen to dive into this. But before we go to our policy discussions, our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine during this time. We believe in a message of strength and hope, and we continue to be impressed by the Ukrainian people, their endurance, and their unwavering commitment to supporting the country in light of the Russian invasion. We, of course, have to spotlight Riedel, a Ukraine-based app developer and member of the App Association for inspiring us by capturing the resiliency and the strength of the people of Ukraine. We believe in the power of our community and our members' determination to change the world. And of course, we stand with the people of Ukraine. In March, 1882, 140 years ago this month, Emily Noether was born on International Women's Day. This German mathematician is certainly someone to celebrate. Noted as the most important woman in history of mathematics by science celebrities like Albert Einstein, she's a role model for what women can contribute to science. Noether was born to a Jewish family in the Franklin town of Erlingen. Her father was the mathematician Max Noether. She originally planned to teach French and English after passing the required examinations, but instead studied mathematics at the University of Erlingen, where her father lectured. After the completion of her studies, she pursued an academic career, uh, but was forced to relocate during the 1930s to Ge um, in Germany because of the National Socialist regime. Noether continued her career in the United States, but passed away after a few years, only reaching the age of 53. In addition to her own publications and contribution to abstract algebra, she was known to be generous with her ideas and is credited with several lines of research published by other mathematicians, even in the fields far removed from, from her work. With, the work, uh, with her work, she is at the pinnacle of scientific development, including modern-day technology. Inspirations like her uh, show us the great impact people can make. Emi Noto is a, a name to remember and a model to live up to when it comes to studying and contributing in the field of science, technology, engineering and math. And that's all for Tech History today. And now it's time for Brussels Bytes. Anna and Niels, what are the latest top uh, tech headlines from inside the Brussels bubble? Despite difficulties, many companies in Ukraine's large ICT outsourcing industry say they have managed to relocate thousands of employees to the country's west or out of the country. With a thriving technology scene, Ukraine was fast becoming a key hub in Eastern Europe and last year recorded its first Decacorns. Those are startups valued above 10 billion US dollars. The sector has also been resilient. When Ukraine's GDP fell 4.4% in 2020, revenue from the outsourced IT services grew more than 20%. That year, tech startups raised a record 571 million US dollars. Currently, however, businesses are focusing on keeping their firms largely up and running. 
Some companies are motivating workers by donating company revenue to the defense of Ukraine or reassigning people to volunteer work sourcing military supplies. Several have turned parts of their offices into housing for refugees. In Russia, tech firms have imposed sanctions, limiting access to mobile payment services and app stores. Some have suspended all product sales in Russia. Many chip manufacturers have seized supplies to Russia. The various sanctions are predicted to slow down the Russian economy, especially the digital economy, which is reliant on semiconductors. Depending on how long sanctions persist, the impact on companies in the digital economy will be even more severe. On 23 February, the European Commission presented its draft for a new law on data in the European Union. The Data Act, intended as a horizontal legislation to govern the sharing of non-personal data. It includes measures to allow users of connected devices to gain access to the data they generate and to share such data with third parties. The law would also allow public bodies to access privately access privately held data under exceptional circumstances such as emergencies. Further, the Data Act introduces measures to facilitate cloud switching for customers and establishes mandatory interoperability standards for cloud services. The Commission also developed safeguards against unlawful international data transfers. While the data and while the draft act introduces measures to rebalance negotiation power in data sharing contracts, the precise impact on small and medium-sized internet businesses remains to be seen. The law is still subject to change depending on feedback from the European Parliament and the member states. We will keep you updated on the proceedings in the coming months and talk about them here on Greetings for Brussels. The European Commission recently released a public consultation on Standard Essential Patents, or SEPs. This step marks the beginning of the drafting process for possible dedicated SEP legislation in the EU. In parallel, the Commission is asking for input on its revised horizontal guidelines, which also address cooperation agreements between companies as well as standardization agreements and other competition rules. For the next seven to eight weeks, stakeholders like IoT innovators, academics and experts, trade organizations, associations, and also private citizens can comment through a questionnaire on the Commission website. You can find a link in the show notes to our blog to learn more about these two consultations and their impact on SME device manufacturers. The EU has initiated initiated a dispute complaint with the World Trade Organization, the WTO, regarding Chinese intellectual property enforcement. The EU argues that China severely restricts EU companies with rights to key technologies, such as 3G, 4G, and 5G. From protecting these rights when their patents are used illegally or uh, without appropriate appropriate commission by, for example, Chinese mobile phone manufacturers. The patent holders that do go to court outside of China often face significant fines in China, pressuring them to settle for licenses below market rates. The patents the the patents this case concerns are standard essential patents, which our device manufacturing members use frequently. The dispute settlement consultations that the EU has requested are the first step in the WTO dispute settlement proceedings. If, you do, if they do not lead to a satisfactory solution within 60 days, the EU can request the WTO to set up a panel and to rule on the matter.
In a speech on March 1st, Maria Gabriel, the European Commissioner for Innovation, Research, Culture and Education and Youth, announced the first 50 women-led companies that will receive grants under the new Women Tech EU pilot program. Women Tech EU is an initiative offering grants of 75,000 euros each to support a company's initial innovation, uh, initial innovation process and growth. The initiative also offers mentoring, coaching, and EU-wide networking opportunities. Following the very encouraging response to the first pilot, the Commission will renew the Women Tech EU program in 2022. The budget for the next call will be increased to 10 million euros, which will fund roughly 130 companies. The call for applications will be launched later this year. And that's all for Brussels Bytes. And now for our policy discussion. More women are now being elected to legislatures across the world, and some hold some of the most powerful and important leadership positions in Europe. For example, Ursula von der Leyen is the president of the European Commission, and Christine Lagarde leads the European Central Bank. In tech, we see figures like Susan Wojcicki, CEO of YouTube, or Gwen Shotwell, president and COO of SpaceX. Well, just mentioning this actually already highlights a problem. The gap with men is still wide enough that we can highlight specific exceptions. And while there's a long way to go, improving political power of women typically corresponds with increased numbers of women in senior roles in the labor market. In this policy discussion, Anna and I will take a closer look at where things stand today and how the EU plans to close the gap. And we'll also discuss some of the great work our members do in this field. Indeed. Um, and there's so much more work to be done, as you said. There are um, just a few exceptions. So um, equal pay and, and opportunities are obviously the basics, and everyone seems to agree on that. Um, but the progress in making those things happen still seems to be pretty slow. Um, if you look, for example, at startup funding, despite a lot of efforts and campaigns that um, are happening to narrow the financing gap. Currently, only 2% of venture capital goes to women-led startups, and that is obviously not enough. <laughs> um, and thankfully, thankfully, we've seen recent progress with several initiatives from the European Union um, to address this gap and encouraging more women to study and enter STEM fields, but there's always more work to be done. Yes, and Anna, I think, well, both of us uh, being women in jobs so closely connected technology, um, there is some political, we see that there is some political will, uh, well, by certain actors. However, uh, and unfortunately, um, I also have to recognize that the situation in some member states of the EU um, hasn't really changed when it comes to taking tangible steps to address the gender gap uh, within um, digital skills or delivering concrete results. And uh, while the 2021 Women Digital Scoreboard found that men scored higher in levels of basic and above average digital skills, as well as in basic skill, uh, software skills. And similarly, women continue to be underrepresent underrepresented in a number of STEM graduates, making up only around what, one third? Um, can you tell us a bit more about where we stand on the gender gap in Tech Today in the EU? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to start by saying that like, there is very obviously a clear need for educated women in this field. 
Um, according to the Commission's Digital Compass, which um, is a plan that the European Commission released last year in order to kind of guide how the digital transformation is going to proceed in Europe um, throughout the next decade, at least 80% of the Europe um, of the European population should have basic digital skills by 2030. That's only eight years away. Um, however, only 56% of people in Europe possessed at least basic digital skills as of 2019. So there's a long way to go. Um, and this figure was only a 2% increase from 2015. So seems like we're moving very slowly. So a serious step up in these results is necessary to achieve the 80% goal by 2030. Yeah, and actually that's 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 quite worrying. Um, well, for our members, it is it's essential to have educated staff from diverse backgrounds, um, and encouraging women to study STEM subjects is definitely part of the, um, that equation. And many analyses um, have also indicated that diversity and inclusion in companies, um, actually the companies with inclusive culture are six times more likely to be innovative. Um, and by staying ahead of changes, they are twice as likely to hit uh, better financial targets. Um, so this means that, well, providing female mentors or different role models um, that demonstrate trust and create um, to create an environment that encourages collaboration, uses technology to break barriers and sourcing innovation is is extremely important. Um, and so we have to make sure we don't miss out on this, on this, uh, on this full potential. So um, we have within our membership, like for example, Image Lab. She, uh, it's um, a app maker based in Stockholm, Sweden, um, has a clear goal. It's really to increase the number of women working in STEM by teaching girls how to code. They develop their own software and hardware, combining it with social and educational experience to help young women learn how to code. And as part of their mission, Imagine Labs is building a community for women who aspire to, to code. And in 2020, co-founder Dora Parfi won the Women in Tech Startup Award, which is absolutely great. And if we look at the EU, Anna, um, what plans are in the in the pipeline to address this gap and to encourage women to, to study uh, these important STEM subjects? Yeah, I mean, like you said, encouraging more women to study STEM subjects is absolutely essential, um, but it's just one part of the solution. And I think what um, Imagi Labs is doing in building communities is just as important. Um, and we kind of heard that in a recent speech by um, Sixteen Buig, uh, the Deputy Director General for Communication um, at the European Commission, when she described um, what she called the leaky pipeline effect, which um, is a phenomenon where there is a progressive loss of women from STEM studies and careers. Um, because they don't have that community, right? And the analogy she made was that we can't assume that just adding more water at one end will fix the leak. So just making more women study doesn't mean more women will also um, finish their studies if they don't feel welcome in that field. Um, to fix the leak, so to say, we need a more comprehensive approach than just encouraging women to study STEM subjects. Um, and that includes broader solutions like closing the gender pay gap, for example, which currently averages at 14.1%. So that means women earn 86 cents to every one euro um, a man earns. And before we talk about the EU's plans, I also want to note that addressing the digital skills gap is not an easy feat. Um, 
especially if you look at the numbers that we highlighted a little earlier um, and the slow progress that is being made. And so on top of that, we should also remember that education is a member state competence. So the EU itself has limited um, power here. And the primary responsibility for education and its implementation lies with the individual countries and not with the commission. And that is why you'll also see that the commission focuses more on incentives and grant programs rather than strict rules and mandates for education because they simply can't do that. Um, Regardless, one initiative that I think is worth um, pointing out is the Digital Education Action Plan um, for 2021 to 2027. Um, and this is an EU policy initiative to support the adaptation of the education and training system um, in the member states and adapting them to the digital age. And the top two priorities are one, the development of a high performing digital education ecosystem and two, enhancing digital skills and competences for the digital transformation. And so one of the specific actions within the plan to achieve all that is action um, number 13, which is focused on specifically encouraging women's participation in STEM studies and careers to um, ensure their enhanced inclusion in the digital economy overall. Um, and to do that, the European Commission will um, especially support young female students to develop their digital and entrepreneurship competences with um, trainings and online learning and new higher education programs that um, are offered for engineering and information, as well as communications technologies. And the Digital Education Action Plan only began last year. But the goal is to engage 40,000 young female students in training um, on the circular economy and digital skills by the end of 2027. Well, yeah, so I'm... Um, um I hope, let's hope that we'll reach the numbers <laughs> and even more. Um, but in, in the new section of this postcard, uh, podcast, you, you also mentioned the, the Women Tech EU pilot program. Um, what else is the EU doing uh, beyond this one program? Are there also um, other funding mechanisms like this one? Um, in particular, I would be interested to hear uh, about the, the funding programs the European Commission has been putting out. We've mentioned that it's a very difficult for female-founded startups to, to secure funding. Um, what are some of the programs you, you, you see being developed or are already up and running? Yeah, um, the Women Tech EU initiative awarded as grants last week, as we mentioned in the news section. Um, the 50, 75,000 euro grants each um, support one woman-led deep tech startup in its initial innovation process and growth. Um, and the 50 companies that received those awards were from 15 different countries, actually. Um, and for the next year, like we said earlier, this initiative will increase the number of award recipients to 130 companies. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and then the EU's biggest funding program is Horizon Europe, which I'm sure our listeners have heard us talk about before. Um, and the EU has implemented new requirements in Horizon Europe for a gender equality plan to be eligible for Horizon Europe funding. So this is basically um, an organization-wide plan that demonstrates commitment to gender equality and set um, clear goals and detailed actions to measure um, and achieve those goals. So if you want to receive Horizon Europe funding, you have to commit to this um, gender equality plan. And then the other thing that I want to mention is the 
Women Innovators Prize, which is um, an EU effort to raise awareness um, for the funding that women receive. Um, this is always awarded on International Women's Day, so today. Um, and it is three awards of 50,000 euros to promising women innovators under the age of 35. Um, so this is great because it includes women, but it also um, sets the younger generation up for success. Um, that all being said, these individual grants and funds will certainly benefit the women who receive them and will help their amazing startups succeed. But greater policy changes in education, as well as efforts to close the pay gap, need to come from member states, right? Because we can't just pick some individuals to success, succeed. We need to have a broader kind of societal change here. Um, and when the EU was founded, the member states firmly kept education in their own competencies. But that also means that now they have to step up. They have to do the work to make this change. And the frameworks and the political drive are there. And now, frankly, it's time for action from the member states. And I know that some of our member states are helping to close those gaps. Indeed. Um, and thank you, Anna, for this comprehensive recap. And the Abbasation has, uh, you mentioned mem our members, uh, the Abbasation has some really amazing female-led companies. In, um, and all of them, uh, out of all of them, I would like maybe to highlight one of them <laughs> more, Bridge the Gaps. Um, Celia Signa and her team uh, work to make technology available and accessible for everyone. Um, their mission is about promoting diversity as a value and ensuring equal opportunities for everyone. And they want to use their platform to close the gender gap in IT, to facilitate integration processes of immigrants and enhance computer literacy for, for all the population groups that were left behind in the digital transition. Bridge the Gaps especially focuses on building those skills from a very young age with trainings and hackathons, gathering schoolgirls, a jury of IT experts and a panel of female leaders to bring women closer to the STEM fields, which is we've highlighted in a, in, throughout this podcast, which is extremely important. So we look forward to welcoming the, the next generation of app makers, thanks to the hard work of member companies like Bridge the Gaps. And we could not agree more with what our members um, are doing and contributing to. And we're proud of to have them as members. I, for, for one, I'm looking forward to working with them as they continue to make a positive impact on this world in the years to come. With that, we've come to the end of our policy discussion. And for more information about the two members you've just heard about, Imagilabs and Bridge the Gaps, you can find the links in our show notes. And now it's time for random identifiers. Niels, you're up first. Yeah, thanks. I, I just had a silly one, to be honest, because- Go ahead. Um, <laughs> We heard about this super yacht that is being built in the Netherlands, um, my, my yeah. home country or the country I was born in, for Amazon CEO uh, Jeff Bezos. And I think the people in Rotterdam responded in kind when they heard that a historic bridge basically needs to be dismantled for that super yacht to be able to pass through. And someone basically started a Facebook event saying, let's throw rotten eggs at it. and. <laughs> Well, that, that sort of got out of hand, being shared like a thousand times in one week uh, and people already committing to it. So the um, the person who started it sort of went on record and said it's gotten a bit, a bit out of hand. But I think 
it sort of shows that um, people are not really uh, uh, largely in favor of taking out, taking down historic bridges to have newly built super yachts pass. Yeah, especially in the pandemics. And so, what's the deal? Are they throwing like rotten eggs regularly uh, on different days, or was it all at the same time? I yeah, well, basically, once it's it's passing, because they're literally building the thing right now. They're building the yacht right now, and they are already envisioning that um, it will lead to some problems with this this particular um, bridge in in the Koningshaven in, in Rotterdam and. Um, basically, someone said, well, once it passes there, you could, you know, throw rotten eggs. So the idea is to all gather once that's going to happen, and then let, let's see how many people actually show up. That's an interesting one. Thank you, Niels. <laughs> Anna, <laughs> what, what, what's your random identifier? Um, mine is kind of a long timeline follow-up random identifier, because this was previously my random identifier in, I think... July 2021 mm. um, because I was really excited about going to my first concert since the COVID outbreak and that concert I had bought tickets to got postponed almost immediately because of the Delta variant so I didn't end up going to that concert <laughs> but a long seven months later the concert finally got rescheduled yesterday <laughs> and I will be going in on June 11th and I'm very very excited that this finally happened so that is my follow-up random identifier. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, it's so important to be able to go out again. So, uh, yeah. yeah. The Definitely. long war wait is worth it. <laughs> or hopefully will be worth it. <laughs> yeah, it will. And who so, are you going to see? Um, I'm going to see Phoebe Bridgers. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but I love her very much. I don't, actually. <laughs> I don't. And, Let's Google it. I yeah. hope you have fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, my own random identifier, um, it's, a, it's a series uh, that's uh, on TV at the moment. It's, a, it's actually a Belgian one based in Brussels, which is extremely rare. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's called Pandora, which means Pandora. It's a thriller on political cases uh, with background with corruption, political elections. And it's actually about a, a rape, unfortunately. But what well with Women's Day was interesting, it's that it's, um, it's, a, it's a series that was created and um, written by three women, uh, Anne Cousins and two directors, Savina Delicourt and Vanya Le Turc, just to, to name them. And what's interesting in the series is that all the female characters are actually very strong and very assertive. Even though they all struggle because they're human, um, they still hold on, they witness sexism, harassment, the fear of growing old. Uh, this is also addressed as well as mother-daughter relationships. So um, it's, it's nice to see, um, let's say, some of the traditional, like, police kind of series taken from a completely different angle which was the aim so i highly recommend it I'm, I'm still only halfway through so i can't even say if it's really super good at the end but um hopefully it will uh, go outside of our really great. small frontiers of... sorry where can people watch it i think it's on it's on belgian tv at the moment but i um i need i need to check uh, i think it's, it, it's online somewhere i'll put the link uh, in the show notes <laughs> awesome and now we reach the end of Greetings from Brussels, episode 21 of our Global Text One podcast. And if you're interested in learning more, head over to our website at actofline.org slash where you'll find our show notes. 
We also have transcripts available. You can find them at the top of our show notes, as well as on podscribe.com. Just search for TechSwamp. You can subscribe to TechSwamp on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher to get your latest episode first. And don't forget to rate and review. Thank you for listening, and bye for now. Bye. Bye.